Hello and welcome to Can't Find My Way Home, the podcast where expats from around the globe talk about the music and art scene in their adopted home. I'm your host, Craig. In this episode, Can't Find My Way Home, I was joined by George Fisher. Speaking to me from her adopted home in Berlin, she takes us through her expat journey from Sydney to London and then on to the German capital. We talk about our own respective expat journeys and the ups and downs of making these life-changing decisions. On the music front, Georgie talks us through her early years and musical influences and how she started performing on stage in her mid-twenties for the first time. From hip-hop, roots and reggae and the transition to solo acoustic performer and now fronting her own three-piece band. We talk about the recording process, new singles and writing songs for movies, going on tour pre and post pandemic and being in a band with your sister. In the top five there's Madonna getting booed off stage, digging out some Belinda Carlisle tunes, Cardi B in the cult personality, dancing to Toto in the kitchen, the famous Goldwatch Studios and why you should always check the dates on your concert tickets. Without further ado, Georgie Fisher. Yeah, I mean, my story's similar here. Like, I've been here eight years now. I was also just trying it for a year, just see how see how it goes. And I've just stayed, and I don't see myself leaving anytime soon. In this respect, was it planned to do, just take a year in Europe and then...? Mm, I, not really. Like, I think I was really looking for some big change in my life. Um, I wasn't happy at home. And I was feeling stuck and feeling like I didn't know what I was doing. And I thought that I wanted to give up music entirely. I was sort of like trying to, I was in like three different bands and trying to make something work. And it was never did. And I had sort of jobs on the side and I just felt like I was just doing nothing. You know, I just really. Kind of going around in circles, yeah? Yeah, going around in circles. I just wasn't in a good place. Like. Although I kind of was, sometimes I look back at that time and I think I had a great group of friends. I lived right at the beach. You know, what, why, did I, why did I leave to come to Berlin? Like, what the hell? But there was something just in me that I, I, I thought, look, I'm, I'm probably sick of this, this music stuff. And I, and I think I just want to go traveling for a little while, see how that goes, and then come back and just do something else with my life. Maybe go to uni. I never went to uni. You know, I was 27 at this point. And I thought maybe I'll, you know, study something or just like change my life somehow. But first I just need to sort of get out of here and I'll go and see I'll see Europe and travel around for a few months and then just make a decision after that. And what ended up happening was the opposite thing. Like I, I showed up in the UK. I got the working visa that's easy for Australians to get in the UK. Right. I did the thing that all Australians do and I got a, a pub job in London and just like was hanging out there for a little while. And it was there that I started to, I by chance, um, met this woman called Emma who ended up my manager. I'd had about nine months of not playing music at all. And then through like a random conversation with her, she was a customer at the pub. I ended up back into music, having her as a manager, getting a publishing deal, recording an EP and everything, all this stuff in London, you know, and I'd sort of actually gone traveling to sort of get away from this. And then it just had ended up right back there. I guess it's um, meant to be. Yeah, and so since then, and that was the f- that was the first time I'd ever recorded or released anything under my own name as well. It always just been like a singer in a band or collaborating with other artists, and this was that was really the beginning of my um, my my own solo project under my own name. And since then, I just haven't looked back. Like I just sort of 
I don't know. I, I had to leave London because of the the visa runs out at some point. Mm. Um, and I just was – I was in a much better groove. Like I'd felt like I'd, I'd been able to find something I was happy doing. I was really happy in London. I was having a great time there. And I was I didn't want to just go back home. And I thought, okay, well, Berlin's not too far away. I'll see, I know I can get a visa there too. I've been there before for a visit. It's a cool city. I'll go and see what it's like. And I'm still here. <laughs> so... <laughs> Yeah. Was it quite and it was it quite a smooth transition from from London to Berlin? I mean, getting yourself fixed up with had you any connections in the city or no, did you really here. kind of start from the the ground um, up? Looking back now, I feel so stupid. Like it's like now it's like a second home. I've got a heap of friends here and everything's cool. But at the time, yeah, I didn't have I didn't know anybody. Didn't have any connections. Didn't speak any German. It was just like. That just sounds like me when I arrived in Germany too. Yeah. <laughs> that's, 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 yeah. That rings a bell. I, yeah. I pretty much arrived in Dortmund. I had a job lined up here, like a freelance teaching job, and I had nowhere to stay. So I, I arrived. My, my wife was still in South Korea at the time, but I arrived here in a right-hand drive car, right? So like a, a car mm. I brought home from Scotland. Literally two cases, a, a guitar case and my border collie. That was it. <laughs> that was the car packed and off we went. Crazy. I was yeah. 47 at the time. Was, oh, yeah. Know. Some people are just like, you did what? <laughs> yeah, I honestly yeah. highly recommend it. You know, like there's, I, I talk to people who are like getting ready for a big move to somewhere and, you know, they're mm. like, how much money should I have saved? Or like, what should I organize beforehand? And I mean, I'm a bad person to ask about this because I showed <laughs> up completely broke with no plan at all. Like, right. I, th- I think if you want financial <laughs> planning, there are maybe other more reputable... Speaking for myself too here, there's maybe more reputable websites where you can get more solid advice and things Absolutely. like that. I mean, for, for you or I, maybe they might come for other advice you know, life maybe, stuff. You know? Maybe, who knows? Like, I just Sometimes when I sort of hear about the, the lengths of preparation that people go to, I'm like... Oh, that's how you're supposed to do it. Okay. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) That's how other people plan an overseas trip. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, on the the other hand, it is when I've explained this story so many times to students, because they always ask me, right? Or people Mm. I've met through other friends and stuff. And I always tell them that it's not for everyone. I mean, the way I did it or the way you've done it, it's just, it's just, it works for us. Or at least you, you thought you'll try and see what happens. And if you're not the type of person to do that, or if you've, if you're doing it the first time, or like me doing it the second time, moving from South Korea to Scotland and then Scotland to Germany, then yeah, you, you might not know what you're letting yourself in for. Yeah, and it's interesting because I I've been thinking about it a little bit because I kind of did it, sort of three times actually. I went I went um, to New Zealand when I was in my early twenties, and then then from Back, back to Sydney at some point and then Sydney to London and then London to Berlin all each time with like not really a plan and I wondered if I actually have it in me or how or I'm interested in ever doing it again because I've been in Berlin for a while now and I sort of sometimes think maybe I'm a bit bored of it and think maybe maybe I could just sort of pack my life into a suitcase and go somewhere else another time but it doesn't it sort of doesn't feel as appealing to me anymore somehow i don't know that's why i'm interested in your story because you 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 did do it again and i yeah and i do think about this from time to time whether or not i will end up doing that again i never say never eh? yeah 
And I think <laughs> if, you, if you have the kind of spirit where you're going to get a few knocks along the way, whether that's a language challenge or bureaucratic challenge or whatever it may be, but you got to just take it in the chin and then come back for more, you know. Totally. Yeah, that's the, that's the thing. The bureaucracy took me a while to get my head around. I think that's partly where I ended up staying for longer than the first year at least is because it takes so long to get, like, things sorted out. Sort of, I only sort of just had everything all organised by the end of the first year. And I thought, well, I mean, I've just gone to all this trouble to get my lease and my bank account, my health insurance and, you know, a phone number. <laughs> like, maybe I should yeah, just right. stick around a little bit longer. <laughs> Artistically then, Georgie, where where would you see your influences lie? Since we, we've talked a little bit of the background and stuff, but you were talking about playing in bands when you were back in Australia. How did all that start for you? Were you from a musical um, background, you know, family-wise, or was there music around the house? There was, yeah, there was music around the house. We've got musicians on both sides of the family. Um, my mum was a singer. She, I remember her singing and playing guitar in restaurants and things when we were kids, just, just here and there. Yeah, she was in a sort of like a folk trio, I think, when she was younger, before we were born. And when we were kids, she had a duo with a guy playing piano and her on guitar and, and singing. She taught me my first chords when I was about 10 or so. And we've still got that guitar. She's very beautiful. Mayton, I don't know if you know the brand. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, Mayton Acoustic Guitar. That's, um, I think, the thing, the story is it's one year older than me and it's still got my crayon drawings on the case. <laughs> <laughs> personalized yeah exactly um so yeah we we did do that um but i sort of moved away from it like um when i was in high school i was really into music and drama and i did some acting as a kid as well but then later in in the later years like um most of the art subjects weren't the, the kid the students weren't so interested in them the school was more focused around maths and science and things like that and i sort of dropped off because most of the classes just weren't available in, in the later years of high school when like you started to have electives there weren't as uh, mm. there weren't enough students that were interested in those subjects and so I think I sort of moved away from it for a while and I didn't have a lot of confidence for when I was in my late teens or early 20s so I didn't really ever consider music to be a career I knew I liked to sing for fun but it's not something I actively pursued until about my mid-20s until I just met some people and you know a friend of mine kept telling me like like I was a good singer and I should come to this open mic and stuff and I sort of started to actually consider maybe I could stand on stage and sing songs in front of an audience and that's when I kind of started so pretty late actually in the game I started to like join bands and do collabs and yeah back then it was mostly um like hip-hop and reggae music that kind of thing doing a little bit of I collaborated with a drum and bass duo as well from New Zealand around that time in my mid 20s so it was like that that sort of roots root style music yeah and I was in a band called the Versionaries doing doing reggae and um yeah that was all the kind of style and then that was around the time that that I came to Europe and since then it's been more of the folk style and a huge reason for that is having not actually had any uh, contacts or people to collaborate with and just picking up a guitar and playing and singing is something that you can do by yourself. Did you find that uh, an easy kind of, well, maybe not a sideways move, but that move from being the front person of a band when there's like three or four people or however many behind you mm. to doing it on your own? I mean, was that a bit more of a, a leap of faith or did you feel quite confident and comfortable in your own shoes doing that? Um, 
Not really at first. No, I got to say it was pretty scary. Like, um, you know, there's uh, now I'm, I've done countless performances and I can, I can play guitar and sing with my eyes closed, but it wasn't always like that, you know. When I was in, I remember being in London and living in this horrendous flat. Oh, my God. With like 17 people in it. <laughs> and being in this like... <coughs> Excuse me, I laugh, but yeah, that does sound pretty <laughs> awful, didn't it? You know, it was that's... so bad. I was sharing, not just sharing the flat, but sharing a room with two other girls. And uh, it was that was the only place I could find when I got there. And they, but there was a guitar in there in the corner of this like Scotty living room. And I remember picking it up and like that's the that's the guitar that I was first using to to practice. And then I eventually bought my own. I'd sort of like. I'd never been particularly good at, at playing guitar. I'd only ever learned the basics. And I was just trying to write songs on it. And, yeah, I remember that feeling of just being in way over my head and, like, having met this woman, Emma, and her having sort of, like, believed in me and had confidence in me. And we were, I was trying to get these songs together, these new songs together. And I remember being really out of my depth, yeah. What would you say your influences are then musically since you had quite a kind of varied background there? And The risk of sounding vague, like I like a lot of different types of music, but I guess I could start with bands like Black Sabbath and Deep Purple and stuff like that. And so, and my mum was more a fan of folks. I guess we grew up with that in our, in our households, you know, mum being a musician herself. And uh, so we grew up with that sort of, that 60s and 70s kind of yeah. music in the house and my first love was like Nirvana, the 90s grunge thing. I, I was really into like Soundgarden. I loved Alanis Morissette, you know, this sort of 90s rock style. By the time I turned 18, I started getting into listening to like golden era hip hop stuff. Like I started to get into Tribe Called Quest and De La Soul and like, I know Lauren Hill. She was a huge influence on me. The Miseducation of Lauren Hill is like up there in my top yeah. 10 albums for sure great album eh? yeah and I started to get into a little bit of more club music as well things like Groove Armada around around 2000 um, that stuff was really cool and that I guess led me like there's a there's a pretty cool reggae scene in, in Sydney and so we sort of I sort of ended up in that in that sort of genre as well Lately, I've, my favorite style is really like soul music, I think. Like I kind of, like a lot of people, I, I started to get into soul music through hip hop because the, you know, the hip hop music was so sample heavy in the 90s. And you'd, like, yeah, so I remember like discovering Donny Hathaway the are right there, via right? Wu-Tang, for example. Or like, yeah, it sort of started to get into that old 60s stuff. And there's some amazing, like, soul music that's coming out now that I, that's probably my favourite thing to listen to at the moment. And, yeah, with the reggae, I don't know, like, whenever I play with my band, what ends up coming out is, like, rock and roll because that's, I think, just what I grew up with and what will always be there. <laughs> so, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That makes sense. Uh, it's a nice segue in then, actually. Tell us about some of the stuff you've been working on. Two or three releases so far this year? My two singles are released this year. They're part of a group of four singles. That was originally going to be an EP, and I, I had actually planned to press it on vinyl, but I just changed my plans 
you know, in 2020 when the pandemic hit, it was suddenly a bit like, oh, I'm not going to be touring and maybe I don't want to spend the money on the pressing right now and let's just wait. So I think uh, <laughs> four single digital releases along with a 10, like a 10 inch EP. The time for that's probably passed. I think we'll just stick with the digital stuff and move on to the whatever the next uh, things are going to be. But, but yeah, those were songs that I recorded um, here in Berlin um, with my old band. That was, they, yeah, the guys all really have like a soul influence. We spent a long time arranging the songs to, to have that sort of sound um, and recorded everything live. It has a really nice life, life feel Thanks. to it. And, and now that you've mentioned it, the arrangements on it are really nice. But when it comes to those songs, like I, I recorded them a few years ago now, I can still listen to them and say that I like it and I'm proud of it. And so, yeah, I'm happy with, with how they went. And I feel ready now. I think it just took me a little while because it does take so much out of you to make an album, you know, especially doing it independently. And I think I just, right. yeah, now I just feel like I'm ready to start. I've started to, like, just produce my own demos, which is something... Um, is that's relatively recent for me like I um I've just started to build up a little bit of a home studio so I've got you know the, the tools to kind of do some half decent demos at home so I'm in that stage at the moment I've got about like 12 or 15 sort of sketches um and I've started to show those to my current band I've got a trio now drummer and bass player and myself on guitar and we've arranged uh, three of them so far. So we're just in that stage of like, I'll bring a new one to rehearsal every time. And then we start to arrange them. We've played together a little while now. So like the songs are kind of like pretty quickly coming together, at least in some basic form. And then I'll do what I did last time, which would will be a process of probably three, four months of just going through the songs in the rehearsal room with the band, arranging stuff, making it sound a bit, cooler or more unique and then oh well that, that's it i mean and then record after all that that's the easy bit eh? i'm going to say you, you were telling me the those earlier tracks were recorded live did you enjoy that process as well like recording yeah. live as a band and getting that performance i think it's the coolest way to to make a record we did that with the big, big city Hall record as well um there's i've done a few productions where it's just track by track and you just like you know, I did one song that I that I wrote for a movie, uh, which I did completely in my home studio and and programmed the drums and played the bass and the guitar and everything myself, and then got a, like recorded a live drama later to a click, and it's like it's cool. Like the song sounds great. It's 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 a it's a cool song, but you can it just sounds different. It sounds really clean somehow, and produced and like. You don't get that magic when you do it that way, I think. Yeah, I'm looking forward to doing it live. That's my favourite way of recording. Oh, the movie's called Three Lives. Oh, I have a hard time telling you where you can watch it. It's an independent film, so I'm not sure actually where you can see it. But you can hear the... You can hear the <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's a classic. It's like a cult classic. You can hear the song, though, on my right. band camp. It's not on my Spotify. Right. It's still a song. It's still like a pop song, a rock song. But it was written to go over the introduction and the opening credits and it's like you have to stick to certain time codes like i was sort of like when the camera goes over the waves then like this part of the song and then it should get louder here when it goes into the cave thing and then you know and like writing like to a time code and 
I wrote the lyrics based on the um, story of the lead character in the film as well. Yeah, it was just the first time I'd sort of not had completely free reign of what I'm doing with a song and how long it goes for and when the dynamics are and stuff like that. It was like it's just a different experience to write it to spec and to and to match a visual, you know. So I learned a lot, a whole lot from that process. I was going to say, if nothing else, I mean, if you found it challenging or, re- or rewarding in equal measures, then at least it gave you a kind of an insight into if there comes a point when you might be hitting a blank, you know, uh, creatively, then this is something you can maybe go yeah. back into again. Yeah, it's really cool. I've got a few gigs lined up for the summer. And then I haven't really started planning for the autumn. It's I'm not sure what the situation will be then. I think I'll keep it a little bit more like last year, just keep it spontaneous. Like the live the live industry is a bit I don't think anybody's really planning that much at this stage. I mean, just to kinda of cover a bit of old ground then, what was it like for you before the pandemic? With it sound all gloomy and all that, but you know Right busy with touring, yeah. You were playing live. Yeah, like I'd sort of in my earlier years in Berlin, I used to just play here all the time. Like I was just trying to get started and build a following. And sometimes I'd play five nights a week in like whatever random place I could find in Berlin. I, I remember really wanting to go on tour and then I made it a focus and then it sort of became like a huge part of my um, my life. And I went touring mostly in the summertime, so starting around April up until about September. Uh, doing festivals, doing club shows around Germany, France, Switzerland, Luxembourg, going down to Italy, up to Denmark maybe, like just kind of trying to find. And I think once you start, once you get a few contacts, once you start getting out there, it kind of just snowballs. It's sort of like, you know, in the beginning it was like I had to push really hard and send out a lot of emails to try to get booked and then slowly that reverses and it's like you're, you're getting requests coming in. and. Sure. Yeah, so 2018, 19 were huge. Like, um, did a heap of traveling and played in all different countries. And I'm very grateful that I had that. And then, obviously, before it all kind of shut down, Absolutely. I sort of thought, well, at least I had a good time <laughs> you know, just before. Yeah, yeah. I haven't gone solo for quite some time, actually. Um, I used to do little solo tours of smaller clubs. Um, but I, so I play with my band under Georgie Fisher. That's, that's the trio. And uh, we, we have a gig coming up this week. We did one last week. We've got a few, uh, like maybe one a month or so um, over the summer. And then I also have a, um, a duo project with my sister, who's also a singer-songwriter who also lives here. So we play, both play and sing. And that's, the, that's, a, that's a very twee folk duo where we sing in harmony. Sort of like that, like we both play guitar, we have a bit of percussion, sometimes we use a stomp box or a shaker, and that is a lot easier to tour with than a band, because we don't need a drum kit or a bass amp or anything like that. So that project was started in the end of 2018 and was pretty busy for 2019. Is that right? How many years have we been doing CISOs for? Yeah, I think it was... Anyway, it's a relatively young project, three years old maybe, um, and that's been pretty busy too. And we've got some some shows this summer with uh, with that project. So, yeah, and I think we're just um, just seeing how things develop on the lives on the live front. Last summer we got 
pretty busy actually. Like I was very lucky to play a lot of shows last summer. I think, and I think, yeah, this year will be similar. We'll just just do everything last minute, which suits me fine. I'm usually it's like you got to be really organized and book things like a year in advance, and like I actually prefer the last minute thing. So that's fine. Just Georgie Fisher or Georgie Fisher Official. And um, I've got a website. You can find me on Bandcamp. I'm on Spotify and Apple Music and Deezer and all the streaming services too. How about a, to- how about a top five? <gasps> a top five. Okay. Um, you know, just as we're talking about playlists there, it's one of those ones that you might, if you're looking through someone's phone, you think, really? Does Madonna, <laughs> is Madonna a good guilty pleasure? It's whatever you, this is the joy of it. It's whatever you want yeah. to to be I'm gonna, the guilty Mine's going to be Madonna, yeah. <laughs> it depends what era of Madonna, though. That's the other well, thing. Well, her early stuff's actually much She was actually the very movie. first uh, CD that I ever bought for myself. Not for myself. Like, I was 10. My parents bought it for me. But that was the first CD that I ever wanted to have was Like a Prayer. Good song. Good pop yeah. song. Yeah. And that, I think, like, oh, hang on. Have I got that wrong? I think the album's also called that. The one that it's on. Uh, like a Virgin, maybe was the album. Mm, maybe. Or was it the one before that? Maybe. I can't remember now. To be honest, yes, whatever it was, albums, yeah, it was. We're going back in I time. Neither, neither of us are Madonna. If I would put, to put the album on now, I think I'd probably still know every word. <laughs> but like a like a prayer is a is a kind of an iconic Madonna. Exactly. The early the days. The early days. Yeah. Her newest stuff. Yeah, it's kind of yeah. But she sells huge, huge amounts of uh, tickets, you know, for this was what I saying about gigs and all that. Yeah, she's... The revenue she's making from concerts is quite phenomenal. Absolutely. Yeah, she's an incredible artist. And then again, you charge 200 euros for a ticket, what do you get? Yeah. Actually, I heard she got, um, (laughs) she got booed off the stage in Australia. She hadn't been there. Actually, I went to see her, that's right, when I was a kid. She was also one of the first concerts I saw was Madonna. And that was the last time she was ever in Australia. And then she went back like 20 years later and was two hours late for the show and showed up on stage. She's pulling the Axl Rose stunt, right? Yeah. That's never a good move. And she just was up on stage and she was just like, oh, well, I'm Madonna. And everybody... And it's not going to yeah. fly here, love. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the, that's the kind of, uh, yeah, the other side of musicians that are... The rock star. The rock star vibe. Indeed. I mean, who knows My what it's like to be off. that famous? You know, no, maybe exactly. maybe we'd all be obnoxious and arrogant if we were that famous. I'd like to think I'd like that. to think not to. We'll flip that question around, uh, Georgie. Tell us someone that you don't really get, someone who's maybe overrated in your opinion. Cardi B. I read a story today that apparently she's pretty... I couldn't tell you one Cardi B song from another, or mm. any for that matter. So, But that maybe says more about me. But the story I read today, she's pregnant and she was at some award ceremony and now the world's a better place or I, I'm a bit confused. I'm not sure. Like I read, this, like, I mean, this is this could partly be because I'm getting old and I don't understand the kids today or whatever. But I no. read uh, like recently, <laughs> maybe that's just part of life we, that we all need to accept. Yeah, I read that she was, I think, the first woman since Lauren Hill to win some sort of hip-hop award. And the two songs were put next to each other. And it was Lauren Hill with That Thing, and then it was Cardi B with whatever her song was. And I just was like, <laughs> Not that what thing. is this? 
this? Like, <laughs> what? This is, how can you compare this to Lauren Hill? This is like, I don't know. I just, I didn't get it. Yeah, it's just, yeah, yeah. exactly. Well, the thing that made me laugh was today that the story I read was on the BBC website and it said Rap Anthem. That's the way they described their new song. I never read what the song was called, but it was Rap Anthem. That's how it was okay. described on the BBC website. I just thought, these guys have never heard a rap song in their life. Whoever wrote this has actually never, who you know, I just went into old man mode yeah. and switched it off or whatever. Yeah. I was like, come on. That's okay. Must try I think old, old man, old lady mode is all right. <laughs> yeah, but she did that thing at the Grammys as well, though, right? There's this kind of whole, I don't know if you would describe it, hypersexuality thing rather than anything musically creative coming from her. Yeah. As an artist, it seems to be more, yeah, the whole lifestyle thing and all that. Yeah, which is something I've sort of, I'm not really sure about either, like um, talking about f uh, feminism and inequality in the music industry and stuff like right. that. I'm really not sure if that kind of thing is helping. Uh, I no. don't know. I mean, you're prom promoting a positive image for women or for, for young women primarily. I mean, I don't think yeah, so. Yeah, I don't think so. Like, I, I kind of get where they're coming from. It's this sort of, like, sexual freedom that's always been afforded to men and not, mm -hmm. not to women and, like, having autonomy over your own body and having the choice to do with your body what you like and stuff like that. Like, I agree with it on some level. I'm just... I personally don't know if the way that it's being executed is actually to a good end you know it's the same with um with Nicki Minaj and um okay that's the other one I yeah was I get the two of them mixed up but they are kind of one in Nicki the same Minaj thing, and Megan right? and Thee Stallion yeah this this sort of thing and they're sort of like they're I guess they're going for this image of like strong powerful women who are like they own their own sexuality and all that kind of stuff and it's like cool but it's such a it's such a strange subject it's, it's such a this this sort of this weird blurred line between like having control over your own sexuality as a woman and then it turning into like this pornographic thing that's actually intended for the male gaze and there's this weird line in between where it's hard to figure out which side of it you're supposed to be on if you want to talk about these issues and i think for me those artists are like they're not quite on the right side of the line yeah. yeah, and then who's the music intended for? What is the primary audience for? Yeah, I mean, is this is this just a byproduct of it? Is it just like a, a well, well, somebody will buy it. You know, someone is buying it. Yeah. That's the thing. These records are selling record streams, downloads, whatever. They're selling millions. Absolutely, of it, yeah. And I'm not sure. Like, sometimes I wonder how much of it is about the music at all, or if it's just about being a personality, a famous personality. You know. Hmm. Tell us your tell us your go to karaoke song. Go to karaoke Swift, swiftly, song. Swiftly moving on. That was a good on. segue. <laughs> um, what should it be? <gasps> well, it's got to be Africa by Toto, right? That Fantastic. has to be the one. Oh, great. Yeah. Anytime. It's a great <laughs> song. <man. laughs> The video is fantastic as well. I don't know if you've Actually, ever seen the video, but go. go I've never seen it. Uh, watch the video. It's just eighties. Perfect. Amazing. Brilliant, yeah. Man. I'm going to put it on as soon as we finish uh, this conversation. We're uh, <laughs> <laughs> dancing about the kitchen. I, well, I had a bit of a guilty pleasure today as well. I was, I had half an hour for my lunch and I, I was reading the, the, the paper online and it was an interview with Belinda Carlisle. Oh, yeah. From the Go-Go's and then our Oh, that'd be a good karaoke that. song too. The, um... So it wasn't Heaven on a Heaven, heaven is a Place, is a place on, on Earth. On it Earth. wasn't that yeah. one. 
Right, because which is a great song, but the other one that I really liked was it was a song called "I Go." I think it's called "I Go Weak." I just added it to my playlist today, today as well. I thought, yeah, that's a classic guilty pleasure because it just yeah, it took me back to a nineteen eighties or probably late eighties kind of place where I was, and I thought, yeah, cool, great song as well. Yeah, yeah, I like that one. Yeah, we actually, uh, my sister and I learned that heaven is a place on earth. Recently, for for an Irish pub gig we were doing, it's a banger. Goes off Everyone's in the Irish singing pub. Along. Yeah. Exactly, like, exactly, totally. Yeah, folk loving it. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, is there a venue you enjoy playing at as an artist, or somewhere where you've seen? I mean, you must have played countless venues up and down the up and down the land now. I have. Have you got a favourite place to play? Uh, yeah, I guess I'd, I'd have to say my favourite place is Bar Bobu. That's the place in Sydney. In Sydney. God, where's my head? In Berlin. Um, where... <laughs> it's close. Is, yeah, I don't know why I said Sydney. <laughs> Subconsciously want to go home or something, maybe. Um, yeah, no, Bar Bobu is the place where, like, everybody gathers, everybody plays there, people have their birthdays there. It's a really cool little bar. Um been playing there for years and um yeah it's just a nice vibe like um the owners are great it's a little kind of got a bit of a 50s jazz bar sort of feel to it with little tables at the front and um it's my favorite place just because of the community that surrounds it I think I mean also it's a cool place to play they've got a great back line and stuff like that um but it's more about the the friends what about to see a band? Have you got a special yeah. venue for that? You know, whether it be big or small. Um, yeah, so like for in in Berlin, like I reckon I don't really like a place that's too big to see bands. Like I like more intimate style. There's a there's one of my favorite yeah. venues here is um, is the Columbia Halle, which is probably about three thousand people fit in there. Uh, and it's just a cool old building and it's got a nice feel to it. It's not too big, but it's big enough that... Who was the last band you saw? Just out of curiosity. Oh, that's remember? a good question. You know what? Because I've got this story that I always tell about how I messed up. Like my, the last... I know I know which band would have been the last band I had seen. <laughs> okay, <laughs> go on, tell us. Tell us the story then. You've got oh me now. Okay, that was that was sneaky. Uh, but so on, stupid. So I have basically um, it's a band called Turbostadt. They're they're a, um, a German punk band. They've been around for twenty years or so, and they're my boyfriend's favorite band. And um, I bought him tickets to the concert for his birthday. His birthday is in January, and I and the, the concert was in February twenty twenty. So just right before we all, the whole world completely changed. And I had the tickets and we showed up to the, um, we were so excited to go. The place was packed. We showed up to the thing and uh, it just, the scanner just wouldn't work. Um, and I was like, what's going on? And the guy looked at the tickets and he goes, oh, these are for yesterday. <laughs> and, like, oh, and I was no. like, please let me in anyway and he's like sorry we're sold out like see ya so we kind of uh, you know it was just oh, this moment man, so heavy. disappointing and then and I just felt so stupid that I booked the wrong date and then we were we were just like oh like my boyfriend was very gracious about it you know he was didn't try like make me feel bad or anything and we we're like let's just go and get a vinyl and go home and listen to the vinyl 
And then we got to the merch desk and the girl was like, we're sold out. <laughs> I was like... Perfect. Oh. So we just ended up in some bar around the corner. Walked straight in there and I was like, I'll have two beers and two vodkas, please. Just like... <laughs> Don't ask. Yeah, so that that would have been the last concert, which which I missed. But I, it's a good question of what actually was the last one that I saw. Did you keep the tickets as a souvenir, or did they go straight? Oh, in the I bin? don't know. Yeah, probably in the bin. They <laughs> <laughs> just like just get them away from me. Yeah, um, I actually, actually after that, because they were going on a tour around um, a few European countries, and so I thought, okay, well I've messed this one up, but I'm going to buy a ticket for April for their show um, in, I think I ended up choosing Leipzig. I was tossing up between Leipzig and Vienna because I had a tour planned for April 2020, March and April 2020. I was supposed to go uh, down to Italy, actually, uh, which turned out to be obviously the worst possible timing. And I booked, I booked a replacement ticket and, like, I booked train tickets and stuff as well. And then um, obviously that all got postponed but i still have those tickets which are still valid so we'll hopefully eventually get the turbostat concert probably next year or something i think in leipzig i think that's where i end up booking them yeah so we'll get the yeah. tickets though just to make sure double check, check this right? time. <laughs> you know? yeah. oh that's a classic uh, yeah mm-hmm. uh, last question for you then georgie uh, who should we be listening to and why? Who should you be listening to and why? I mean, other than your good self. Of, of course. course. All right. Well, I guess seeing as I am a product of the Berlin folk scene, um, I find it appropriate to recommend uh, several members of the Berlin folk scene. For you to listen to, I could give you few artists off the top of my head you've obviously you've said Please you said do. joey orian would be one of them um yeah. i'd recommend that you listen to michael brinkworth um robert hope lisa akua james michael rogers um yeah i'd say like there's a lot of amazing artists to listen to that are in berlin and um i've never been involved in a scene that's more like proactive and that cares about each other so much um, and there's there's some amazing music here. A lot of it's recorded at um, the famous Gold Watch Studios. Georgie, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for taking the time out your evening, and uh, I wish you all the best with everything going forward. Thanks, Craig. It's been super nice to talk to you. You too. Bye. Cheers. Facebook at Expat Music Pod, and of course you can find us on Spotify, Anchor.fm, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts from, you'll find us there. Until the next one, this is Greg saying, cheers. <laughs>